For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hey guys, and welcome to uh, another podcast episode. So uh, we started doing interviews a few days ago, and I got a lot of great responses for you guys uh, the, uh, on the business finances. So in search of other valuable stuff that we have to talk as entrepreneurs, uh, I invited Liz to join me for this interview. And today we will dive into legal matters. So uh, hi, Liz, and welcome to, to the podcast. Hi, Meha. Thanks for having me. Um, so just uh, in the beginning, could you just shortly introduce yourself and, uh, of course, tell us what you do? Sure. So as you said, my name is Liz Pivko, and um, I am a business and IP attorney specializing in providing legal services to small businesses and online entrepreneurs. So I do a lot of transactional work, which uh, would be your contracts, your business formation, intellectual property issues like trademark and copyright, as well as some uh, marketing and compliance issues. And then I just launched a brand new company, um, Renegade Legal, which provides DIY legal solutions to the same clientele. So small businesses and online entrepreneurs in the form of you know, contract templates with video walkthroughs. And um, we have a, a full-on membership program that includes sort of everything, um, including a legal course that takes you through like all the different legal issues that um, you're going to encounter as a business owner or entrepreneur at one point or another, sooner rather than later. So all of that is um, Renegade Legal, which just launched recently. So that, that is what I do. And, um, uh, you know, participating in podcasts like this, just spreading the information because a lot of people, you know, aren't even aware that they have legal needs, which is um, why they end up coming to me later. So trying to change that. <laughs> slowly cool. but um cool. yeah so that's about what i do cool. that that that's that was a nice introduction um and yeah like uh, i mean we were chatting before i started recording this and i shared with you and i'm just gonna do it once again so um yeah i was an entrepreneur like my audience most of them you already know for the past 22 years and um i've created 10 companies in all this time and first eight companies failed tremendously. Uh, and one of the biggest reasons reflecting back uh, on, on those failures was because uh, I was just not uh, taking care of, let's say, the foundations of every company. Um, I was more involved into, you know, marketing, sales, uh, 
um, and product creation and all of that. And, you know, finances, uh, accounting, uh, tax and legal matters were just there on pause, like, I'll get to that eventually. And that eventually never came. And, and then you mentioned that, yeah, like 99%. And I can, I can totally see that uh, being the real number uh, of uh, entrepreneurs actually don't take care of about that. But can you like share uh, maybe a few, do, do you know any uh, uh, fail stories uh, of people who didn't take care of things uh, on time and then they had to, uh, but you know, sometimes it's hard to do it afterwards when things already happen. Right. So Actually, most of my clientele that come to me for legal help are these fail stories who waited until something bad happened to start thinking about the legal stuff. And of course, I have to be the bearer of bad news and tell them that, you know, if you wait until you get sued to think about what contracts you need to have in place or whether you should have incorporated or whether you should have registered that IP most of the time it's too late. And um, so, so that's actually most of my clientele as far as the law firm is concerned. Very few people are actually proactive about this stuff. So, you know, you have business deals gone wrong where people decide to, to go into business together, form some sort of an unofficial JV and just start working on a project together. And of course, um, it, it doesn't work out. Um, either one or both of them feel screwed over and um, it just goes downhill. There's no contract. They end up in litigation over who owes money to whom and you know they fail to <laughs> register a business entity. So now they're looking at personal liability for business debts and obligations. And it's just an avalanche of, of problems that um, most of the time cannot be undone. You can prevent them by having the appropriate, you know, business entities and registrations and contracts in place. But once um, once a legal disaster happens, you can't undo it most of the time. So, yeah, unfortunately, most of my clientele are these fail stories. Now, I can't share specifics because of, you know, no, no. client privilege. But, yeah. um, no, I was just, you know, all uh, the time. Yeah, I was more thinking of, uh, you know, like not a specific failure, but, you know, like what are some of the things that you most often see? Like like what you mentioned, you know, people go into a joint venture and they don't do the paperwork part and then um, they find themselves maybe a year later, the whole thing is a huge success. They see uh, what they have put into that becoming a success differently and and that's already a huge cause for problems am i right yes definitely and you know when you have things like two people developing a software together and they start disagreeing about who contributed more when the software becomes a huge success and then the relationship falls apart and they end up in litigation and sometimes the whole company blows up and they could have made a major impact on the world, but they never will because they got into these disagreements because they didn't lay the legal foundations. They didn't get on the same page in the beginning. But it happens with client agreements too, where, you know, let's say you have a service-based business and you start working with clients, but you don't have a contract. And... Um, uh, 
sometimes, you know, you start working with somebody, you think you've agreed on something, and it doesn't come out until months of working together or a year of working together that um, either you were never on the same page to begin with in terms of, you know, what services are being provided, who's responsible for what in terms of expenses or, you know, payment terms and all that stuff. Um, you either never agreed because you didn't hash it out in the beginning or or you started to remember it differently, which happens with time. And, um, you know, a client contract that lays out all the terms could have prevented all of that because all you need to do when a disagreement arises is you pull out that contract, look to the scope and say, well, this is what we agreed to, or look at the payment terms or the termination provisions or whatever it is that you're arguing about. But when there isn't a contract, you know, it, it results in that uh, breakdown of the relationship and then you don't even want to work together because you both feel like um, the other party is, is wrong and they're, they're just, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, what they promised. So, you know, and that's not even talking about, um, those instances where it actually ends up in court. So, um, you know, there are those stories with where people don't have the right contracts in place with their clients. Liz, one question. Um, is it at all, at least if they don't have a contract, should they at least, I don't know, like let's say I'm a coach and I try to sell my coaching to a client. And so we jump on a call, we set the goals and agree on the terms and all of that. Should I at least follow up that conversation with an email, um, you know, laying down uh, the what we agreed upon and asking them to confirm if they understood everything the same as I did. Is, is that in any way at least a plus to have something written down? Or do you always need to have an agreement if something comes to the court? Yes, it's, it's absolutely a plus to have something written. Um, and I do this not only when I, well, when I take on a client, I have them execute a contract, but, um, even after just significant conference calls, I always send a follow-up email saying, hey, just a recap of what we talked about today. This is what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks or months. And then bullet point by bullet point, summarize everything that we talked about because it's, it's documentation of, of what is, uh, how the relationship is going, you know, and, and all the things that we agreed to do. But um, yeah, definitely. So if you don't have a contract in the beginning, it's, it's infinitely better to have uh, an email exchange or a Google Doc or something that reflects that you guys are agreeing to certain things as regards the scope and the payment terms and any benchmarks and um, all the important uh, core elements of the relationship um, are being agreed to in writing. So yes, that's definitely better than nothing. And courts will consider it because it is it will reflect that you guys agreed on something and that agreement is in writing. So it's better than nothing. Um, okay. It will evidence your your intent as to you know what you want to accomplish. So yes, 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 definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I on one hand, I do understand entrepreneurs, especially when they're starting out. Usually, the budget is you know small, 
uh, are not sufficient for everything. And then, of course, you're looking at uh, what will bring the biggest ROI uh, in the smallest uh, amount of time possible. And, of course, legal stuff doesn't bring ROI immediately. It brings ROI later on if things go south. And then um, since a lot of my clients come from US and from Canada, I'm aware that uh, costs of lawyers are a bit higher than what we are used to here in Europe. Um, and, and that usually can be a turnoff for them. But could, could you could could we at least like let's say can you walk me through okay so I just started my business and I decided to form an LLC. Are there a few things that I should definitely have uh, done immediately? And I know that you have these packages on, 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 on this new website of yours, which we will link in, in the show notes. Um, what, what would you suggest, let's say, if I'm a sole owner and then let's say it's a partnership between me and uh, another person or even it's a few of us forming an LLC together? Okay, so uh, let's start at the very beginning. So when you're forming a business, you need to decide what type of entity or what type of business structure you want. And uh, when I say business entity or business structure, I mean sole proprietorship, partnership, LLC, JV, corporation. What do you want? Um, uh, Those are totally different structures. I always recommend that um, people register either as an LLC or a corporation because those two entities provide you with personal liability protection. What I mean by that is they separate business debts and liabilities from your personal assets. So if you register as as an LLC or a corporation, the business will take on this fictitious personality and under the law, it will be considered an entirely separate person from you. So when the business incurs a debt or, or a liability, it cannot be satisfied from your personal assets. So your personal savings account, your house, um, all those things that are in your name will not be up for grabs absent some pretty specific and extenuating circumstances. So that's the first thing, okay? And um, once you separated the business from you, you, of course, need to register that with the state. And um, in case of an LLC, you would be filing your articles of organization. In case of a corporation, you'll have to file an articles of incorporation in the state of your choice because these are state law entities. So you have to pick a state Um, usually where you're located, to register that business. In addition, um, uh, some states have some additional requirements. Like in New York, you have to publish your LLC in the paper or in two papers for a certain amount of time before a formal registration will issue. So you definitely want to look at those state requirements, the specific requirements of your state. And you can Google that easily, okay? Um, So once you do that... Um, and your business is registered, you should also have some kind of internal document that lays out how the business is going to operate. For the LLC, it's your operating agreement. For a corporation, it's your bylaws. Um, They essentially do the same thing. They um, lay out all the terms and conditions of running this business. So 
you know, it, it'll name your initial members or shareholders, who your officers are, how much um, capital everybody's contributing, how voting will be taken care of, um, what voting requirements are going to apply to various business decisions, because, you know, uh, with some business decisions, you're going to want a higher vote than with others. Um, uh, so all of that will be in your operating agreement or your bylaws. And um, you're not filing these with the state, but you should definitely have them because if it ever comes to a court deciding whether they're going to uphold that personal liability protection that I was just talking about, they do look at whether you operate as a legitimate business. And they will look at things like whether you had an operating agreement. Even if you're just a single member LLC, you need to have a document, a contract with yourself, essentially, just detailing how the LLC is going to operate and um, uh, have that on file. And you need to follow it, obviously, because that's another thing courts look at. So you should definitely have that internal contract as well as, you know, a, a separate EIN. You want to get a tax ID from, from the IRS because you don't want to do business under your own social security number. Even though it is permitted in some cases, you really don't want to do that. And no one's going to take you seriously um, if, if you do. And um, you want to establish, you know, separate bank accounts, separate payment gateways. So you want to have all your PayPal and Stripe and other payment methods in the name of the business rather than you personally. Because, again, you're maintaining that separation between you and the business. Um, okay. So those are just some of the things that you, you need to make sure that you, you have handled when you're just starting out. And um, another thing I wanted to mention is that when you're registering that business, make sure that the name doesn't infringe on someone else's trademark um, because, you know, the last thing you want is to invest a lot of time and energy and, and money into building goodwill around a particular name and go through a forced rebranding months or years down the line after you've made that significant investment because it turns out that your name infringes on someone else's trademark. So that's something I always suggest um, as, as among the first steps, right? Because when okay. you're registering. Uh, do, do, can, I, can I do that by myself or is it this something where I already need to include a lawyer? Um, I always recommend... Um, getting an attorney's help because the standard under the Lanham Act, which is the law that applies to trademarks in the U.S., is uh, substantial similarity. So it's not enough that your name isn't the same as someone else's trademark. It can't be so similar um, in spelling or sound and commercial connotations so as to confuse uh, the consumer public as to the origin of the goods. So if it's too similar to something that is already out there in the same categories or in the same industry, then even if it's not exactly the same, um, it might infringe if, uh, if clients or customers, when looking at the two marks, think that um, it might be the same company. So if it causes confusion, it's, it's infringing. And so, you know, if you Google it, you can get exact matches, but 
Google won't give you those similarities. Okay. Um, okay. And even cool. as attorneys, we hire third-party providers who have these proprietary algorithms that search all the state filings and all of Google for potential similarities. And what they do is, you know, give us a report of potential matches. And then we as attorneys, we apply our knowledge and experience to pick out the ones that we think might be problematic. And then we run that by the client and say, you know, these are where the potential issues might lie. Um, we think you have such and such chance of, of securing federal registration without a challenge. So do you want to go ahead or not? So it's a, it's a more complicated process than most people realize. But it is possible to do it yourself. Okay. So okay. I'm not saying okay. it's not possible or that no one ever gets lucky. But um, if you want to do it right... Um, I, I definitely suggest at least consulting with an attorney on the process. Okay, that sounds uh, reasonable. And okay, let's say I formed my LLC or corporation. Um, I've done all the work so far. And now I need to register a domain name and start setting up my website. Um, and, you know, there are these terms of uh, use and privacy policies and all of that. Like, how important is that and, and the cookie notifications and, and all of that? Um, very important, actually. Let's start with the privacy policy. Well, let's, let's start with an overview. So the three things that you normally see on websites are your privacy policy, the terms and conditions, and uh, a set of disclaimers. Now, the privacy policy is the most important because it is actually required by law. So both in the U.S. and the EU, if you've been following the GDPR hysteria, you know that yeah. um, both require that any website that collects personal information from its users, which includes um, emails and names and phone numbers, but also browsing information, cookies, IP addresses, all of these um, information uh, pieces that either by themselves or together with other information can be used to identify a particular individual. So if you collect any personal information, you have to have a privacy policy on your website. That is mandatory. And the fines for not having one are massive, like both under U.S. law and the GDPR, which I just posted an article on my wall this morning because Google got fined, I don't know, $57 million by France <laughs> for, <Okay. laughs> for, for a GDPR violation. So um, we're starting to see enforcement occur, and they do seem to be serious about this. So definitely you want to make sure that you, you comply with the GDPR. But even in the U.S., um, you, you can get some pretty significant fines, not to mention um, you can get your accounts banned by Google and Facebook. So if you advertise on any of these platforms and you know, you're linking to landing pages that don't have a privacy policy, Facebook has been known to actually click through to the landing pages and check if there is a privacy policy there. And if there isn't, oh. they shut down the account. So whether this is your business 
or you're like an agency owner that does this for clients and you're getting client accounts banned, um, uh, neither option is very good. So <laughs> okay. Okay. definitely privacy policies are critical. And I see a lot of you know sales funnels without them. And it makes me cringe because I just know what's going to happen. And people think it's not happening because the gurus aren't talking about it. But, you know, when you consider, you know, how it reflects on them when they make mistakes like that, not only on behalf of themselves, but on behalf of their clients, you might start seeing why they wouldn't talk about that stuff. Um, but it's kind of something that never gets mentioned except by attorneys who, who see this on a daily basis. So privacy policies are critical. Um, okay. And um, what they need to say in very general terms, obviously we can't do a GDPR training here, which would take about two hours, but you need to let your, um, your users know that you are collecting personal information, um, how you collect that information, what you're going to use that information for, and their rights to opt out. And they have to, and you see the cookie pop-ups and um, the checkboxes because you need to get their specific consent to how you're going to collect, use, and process their information. So that's why you see the checkboxes now because they actually, it's not enough anymore to say by downloading this checklist, you're, you're being enrolled in our, in our marketing email list and you consent to all the terms and conditions. Like that's not enough anymore. They actually have to say, okay, yes, I consent. And that's where okay. the, the checkbox comes in. So that's a, that's a consent okay. indicator. Um, Fair enough. So that's um, how about those disclaimers? I see. I see a, uh, quite a few landing pages having uh, funny disclaimers, you know, uh, and a lot of them not having any at all. Yeah, disclaimers aren't required by law. You're not going to get fined for not having disclaimers. It's more like a, a cover your butt issue because you want to be clear on not only what services you provide, but what you're not providing to your users. So they don't come to your page and think that you're giving them, let's say, if you're an accountant, giving them professional accounting advice and then they go rely on a blog post and they, you know, lose $20,000 in taxes and come sue you. So you want to be clear on not only what you do, but what it is that you don't do. So I'm very clear on all my websites that when you're reading my blog, I'm not giving you custom tailored legal advice that you should go rely on because chances are we've never spoken and I don't know anything about your business. I'm providing general information in this blog for educational purposes only. But if you need specific legal advice, you need to go talk to an attorney and tell them what your situation is. And so that's that's my standard disclaimer. Um, a lot of um, uh, people sell you know, coaching packages and, and courses and things like that. You want to make sure that you don't guarantee anything. So in your disclaimers, you want to to say, you know, I'm not guaranteeing any specific income goals um, that you're going to hit or anything like that. If you blog about health, you want to 
tell them that you're not giving medical advice. If they have a specific medical condition, they need to go to a doctor rather than, you know, take your blog as uh, as treatment advice for what they should do and put in their bodies. So that's those are your disclaimers. They cover you in case, you know, some someone decides to go to your website, use the information, get themselves in trouble or get themselves injured because of how they use the information on your website and then try to sue you for that. Okay. You can put a very swift end to any lawsuit by just pulling up the disclaimers and say, I, I never gave them medical advice. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, when we are starting out as entrepreneurs and our budgets are tight, and but we still do want to get things as right as possible. I mean, yes, of course, the best thing is hire a lawyer, um, have them go through everything, prepare the documentation, talk with them, and so on. That's definitely best possible advice uh, I can give to any entrepreneur, and I'm sure you will agree. But you know, sometimes the budgets are tight. You want to do as much as possible and stretch that money as much as possible. There are many websites that offer different things, either packages, either you know, they ask you a few questions, you, you enter the details, and then they generate something for you. Like how, what, what's with those websites? And uh, well, do tell me a little bit more about your website because you are offering packages as well. Uh, how does that play? Right. So there are a lot of um, legal document preparation websites out there. I don't think I even need to name the big ones because everyone knows where you can go and answer 10 questions and um, get a software to prepare a 20-page contract for you. So those are there and um, they are popular and I know that a lot of attorneys wouldn't be in business if it weren't for these websites screwing up all the contracts that people are trying to to make <laughs> because, um, first of all, they're not being prepared by attorneys and um, the client doesn't really understand what they're getting when they, they get a contract from one of these websites. And it's... Uh, the business that I recently launched, Renegade Legal, is um, kind of a, a a response to all of that because what you do with these general document preparation website is you put in your information, answer a couple of questions, get a contract, um, and uh, you don't really understand what's in that contract because most of these business contracts have many clauses, 40 plus, and the document preparation website doesn't sit there with you going through the contract paragraph by paragraph, first of all, explaining what each clause is, which eventually you'll need to know these things as a business owner. I've never met a serious CEO that um, you know didn't understand the limitation of liability clause or a warranty disclaimer or an intellectual property clause or an NDA. So all of these things are, are things that you need to understand and, and they need to be explain to you in order for you to make a well-reasoned decision about, first of all, whether you want it in your contract or not, and what you want it to say, because you do have options. So that's how my program and my templates are, are different, because um, 
We have the general contract templates that most small businesses and online entrepreneurs will need in their businesses at one point or another. But um, instead of asking you a couple questions and just giving you a contract, I have you know video walkthroughs going through every single contract, paragraph by paragraph, explaining what it is that you're doing, what information you need to input, and what decisions you have to make with respect to each clause. So it reflects what you want for your business, which is the entire point of having a contract. The point of a contract isn't to have a 20-page document that um, two parties can slap a signature on and file away. The contract is supposed to be simply a written representation of whatever you negotiated with the other party. The terms and conditions that you came up to, that you agreed to, and that you want enforced in your business. And it's true whether it's a client contract, it's a contract with an independent contractor, it's a contract with a business partner. It should always reflect what you want your scope, your, I, I don't know, your intellectual property requirements. Um, what do you want to do in terms of payment terms, your payment terms, your return and refund policies, you know, your risk tolerance when it comes to clauses like limitation of liability and liquidated damages and all of that. So every clause has to reflect what you want. And these websites don't walk you through and explain to you what it is you're signing. So that's why I structured my products this way. So you get the template, you get the video walkthrough, and you get to you get me to sit with you to draft that contract and walk you through all the important um, considerations. Awesome. No, that's that's really that's really nice uh, what you've done. I mean, I just saw uh, the bundles. I haven't purchased any of them to see the videos and so on. So I just saw the bundles. They really made sense. And now you really explained it nicely. What makes you or your uh, bundles different than a lot of those pages out there, which uh, quite a lot of entrepreneurs use just to speed up the process and to save a few bucks. Um, to go forward, let's say, um, now we were more dealing with uh, people just starting out. What about, you know, once you're already in business, you, you have to sign a few NDAs, you need to start creating some partnership, joint ventures, things like that. Like, what, what would you be some of your advices how to approach those things? Should you come to the meeting with the lawyer should you you know first have a draft uh, of what you want and then try to negotiate that or should you first do the meetings uh, get to the bottom of what the two parties want to achieve and then go to the lawyer or let's say if somebody sends you their agreement should you you know send it to your lawyer go through it i mean it, it it's it's kind of logical for me but uh uh what you should do but uh, I know that so many entrepreneurs uh, don't do that. <laughs> yes, I, I know quite a few who don't do that as well. And, um, you know, that's where you get in trouble. But yes, definitely. Um, although if you download my templates or, or join the membership program, which has uh, way more extensive explanations on different types of contracts and, and different clauses that you'll see in contracts. If someone brings you a contract for signature, you should definitely understand what that document says. 
because you know you you might be signing the death sentence for your business for all you know you might be signing you know an indemnity provision that can straight up bankrupt you you might be signing away all your intellectual property you might be signing a non compete that restricts you from operating in your own market um although non competes are are whether those are enforceable or not will depend largely on the wording as well as the industry that you're in and the location. So uh, definitely if you get a non-compete, please talk with a local attorney because um, the enforcement of non-competes varies greatly by state. But generally, yes, if you, if you get a contract for signature, please get it reviewed or, um, or at least review it yourself. If you understand legalese at a level where you can decipher what those clauses say, at least read it and say, okay, I'll agree to this, um, or, or say, or renegotiate. It's perfectly normal to say, you know, this, this non-compete is too restrictive, or I don't like how this IP clause is phrased because it gives you all my background IP and I don't want to do that or whatever the issue might be. Um, um, no, I, 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 I can't, I mean, from from my past, I wouldn't agree with you. You, uh, I mean, I consider myself being somebody knowledgeable. I really do, and I made such terrible mistakes. And, and you know what? What was the reason? Because I was too emotionally involved in the process at that moment, and I perhaps wanted something done. And um, I I read those agreements. I, I did. And like, like you mentioned, I, I signed that sentences to, to my business, to my businesses. Um, and I do consider myself uh, knowledgeable. I do consider myself, you know, well-read and all of that. And I still made the mistakes. So uh, I would, uh, I, I would strongly recommend to anybody, especially when, when you're dealing with, you know, like things that are really important for your business, uh, go to a lawyer. If nothing else, they are not emotionally involved in, in what you're doing, in what you're trying to achieve. Um, and, and they will flat out tell you uh, what you might not want to hear. That is absolutely correct, actually. if Even I do that. When I'm overly emotionally involved in a deal, I will seek input from an attorney friend to look something over, give me advice, point out something that I might not be seeing because my judgment is is being clouded by what I want, um, which happens for both of us, um, for all of us. So yes, if... Um, of course, this is if if it's coming an issue that arises later on in the business when you can go to an attorney, definitely one hundred percent seek professional legal advice. Um, also, you know because there are lots of state law issues involved that a local attorney can can help you out with if they're familiar with those um, state law issue nuances that you know non lawyers tend to not even think about. So it, it's definitely um, 100% um, advisable to, to go to an attorney. But again, you know, some businesses are, are still not making any money a couple months or close to a year into operations. So in those cases, at least be familiar with, um, with what these general clauses are, what they mean and how they're enforced. Um, 
I, I don't know if, if that's uh, something that you come across with when you're dealing with clients, but I do remember that before my last startup, where I finally did a few things right instead of wrong, um, I was always looking at legal matters as a, an expense. I, I never viewed them, you know, going to a lawyer as an investment. I mean, um, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll try to really quickly share one, just one mistake that I did. Um, and it was uh, back in 2007. And, and, and that one sentence uh, got me losing $20 million overnight in 2009. That, that was how uh, the whole avalanche of all the bankruptcies of everything that I've done prior to that uh, happened. And um, I was uh, buying a real estate, well, uh, a plot of land to build, uh, um, to build apartment houses on top. And it was like between 10 and 15 pages long agreement. I went through it myself. Uh, and then uh, in, in, in this part of Europe, you have notaries that should be independent, that should, you know, um, go through the agreement as well and so on, uh, because both parties come to the notary to sign it. Uh, but um, in all those 10 plus pages, um, I overlooked one sentence. With all my knowledge, with everything that, you know, how highly I valued myself then in, in those legal things, I overlooked one sentence. And then one sentence, it was basically um, that I have to send additional mail uh, to the other party to, uh, so even in the agreement, it was set by what day they need to do something, blah, blah, blah. But if they miss that date by so many dates, days, uh, I need to formally send them a mail. So it, it's not enough that we have everything in contract. I need to follow up with a document sent via post uh, uh, to them to, I don't know, recall them to, to do that part uh, or to pay... Uh, the amounts uh, that they agreed upon if they don't deliver on time. And I didn't send that one letter. Oh, man. Yes, I understand that pain. And that's why I go over all of these clauses in my contract. So people understand that, you know, the types of notice that will be acceptable under the contract, you can specify that, you know, if you, if you don't want snail mail, you want to be notified through email or fax or or some other method where you know you can actually prove that the thing was sent and received as is uh, usually the case with email and fax and you can also provide how many days will be sufficient notice and what your deadlines are so for certain things you need to give notice within 7 days or within 3 days or whatever you specify in your contract and I had a friend who said, I cannot believe that you're talking about notices for three whole minutes in this contract video. And I said, because it's that important that you understand even the littlest thing. Um, because if yeah. you don't do what the contract says, 
you are in breach of contract. That's what breach of contract means. And if you're in material breach, that can trigger termination. It can trigger penalties. It can trigger all kinds of stuff. So yes, even something as little as how you want to be notified of something and, and when can be absolutely critical and can, res- and can be a major, um, can have major consequences in terms of money and even whether the contract is going to go forward and what your liabilities will be if it doesn't. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how, how to emphasize enough. I, I really don't know to, to everybody who's listening to this, how crucial, how important uh, this is. Because when I look in retrospect on, on my past failures and oh boy, were there failures, it was either because I was not giving enough attention to legal matters, financial matters, or tax matters. It wasn't because of marketing. It wasn't because of sales. It wasn't because of a product. All my businesses that failed and all the major mistakes that I've done so far in business mostly came either by not dealing seriously with taxes accounting or you know the finances cash flow managing it uh, well and so on or most of them came out of legal matters because they were not done properly uh, this this uh, example that i gave i spent few years in courts trying to you know convince courts that you know like Everything else is there in in the contract. This is just one little thing. So, you know, like the notary went through it and this happened and that happened. At the end, I lost. Uh, I I, I would be able to get at least portion of of that money lost back uh, enough to settle, you know, all the debts that I had to settle. But uh, no, I lost everything on all different because I don't know uh, how it's in U.S., but in, 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 in Europe, you have that first court and then uh, you can go to the second stage and then the third stage and then they can transfer you back to the first stage. And so it can it can go for quite a few years up and down, up and down before you go to the, I don't know, Supreme Court or whatever it's called here in Europe. Uh, but yeah, I lost on all of them. I spent years in courts and and everything just because I overlooked one stupid, simple sentence and I've not done things properly. If I would invest, back then I had millions, millions of, of euros on my bank account. If I would just invest a few thousand uh, in a good lawyer, likelihood of that happening Probably I would win everything and and never had to deal with all the consequences of my own stupidity. Yes, definitely. And and you said this was a real estate deal, right? So also depending yeah. on the size of the deal, like I think anything you do over I don't know twenty thousand dollars, you need to get a lawyer on that. There is just spend that three grand or whatever is going to cost to have a lawyer look at your contract, talk through it with you, point out potential liability traps and all the things that you might not be seeing and what points you might want to renegotiate or pay attention to 
and explain to you what your obligations are under this contract if you sign it and just kind of help you even like through the process as the business develops because it's it's a lot of money changing hands but you know some people are I don't know, freelance copywriters or web designers or like a mindset coach. Uh, when when your product, service or package isn't um, as expensive, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you just need to look at it and say, you know, make the determination whether it's worth it for you to talk to an attorney about every single contract or, um, or you might want to DIY some of it. But after above a certain um, monetary value, I would say run every contract by an attorney. So it, it, it depends a lot on, you know, the value of the contract that we're talking about too. But again, if you do something that's repetitive, so, you know, like, you, if you, like you're a coach uh, and you sell like, I don't know, 1K coaching, but you said sell that multiple times, um, just have a, a draft, uh, ask a lawyer to get you to, to, to get you to the point of one draft and then maybe educate you uh, on, on a few things that you can change or discuss with your clients and but, but have something pre-prepared that uh, at least, I don't know, you eliminate 90% of possibilities for failure or 95%. Yes, that's what I normally do. I work out a master service agreement that they can use over and over again. And the parts that will vary from client to client are those schedules that you attach to the back. So you'll have a different schedule for scope, a schedule for payments, you know, things that might be different from client to client. But the master agreement, the body of the agreement containing all your policies stay the same. So it's it's definitely doable and it's it's possible to save on costs that way as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, Liz, um, we've talked for some time now, uh, but I, I believe it was a really valuable interview. Uh, I hope you, you, you see it as well. And I hope the audience will see it like that as well. But is there any last thing that you would like to add or any additional value bomb that you want to drop you know it's legal is such a huge topic like we really haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this stuff so um if i can refer people to my website um not necessarily as a pitch but because when i talk about the services that we offer and especially what's in the membership it kind of goes through all of those important issues that you need to consider in your business and all the important contracts that you need to have. And I have a short checklist on the website that people can download and it kind of gives them a starting point as to what legal issues they need to start considering it. Because when you don't know what you don't know, you need to start somewhere, right? So Yep. All of that information is in the website and, you know, I'm very transparent in terms of what people get when they join the membership. So I have <laughs> all my modules and what they cover in great detail. But if you want to take that and use it as sort of a checklist of the issues you need to research, then 
it's there even if you even if you don't join the membership you know you get a good idea of what legal issues come up for small businesses and online entrepreneurs and it's 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 a lot it's more than we could have covered in in this podcast or or in three interviews you know because it's it's such a broad topic and there's so much to know but I think we did cover a good chunk of it, at least some of yeah, the most yeah. important things. I'm glad we talked about contracts and I'm glad we talked about business formation because those are two of the, the major issues. That's where I normally start with people who don't know um, what they don't know. Well, you know, we can always uh, do a follow-up interview at some later time and, and dive into more specific details and, you know, hopefully... Um, people will get back to me after they listen to this. They'll ask maybe additional questions. Um, I'll make sure to, you know, forward them somehow to you. And then who knows, if we get enough questions, uh, we can just decide and, and, and just hop on another call like this and, and do another interview or something like that. We'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. Like just, uh, but, yeah, but I think just for start, this was amazing, valuable um, and uh, at least something for them to think about and to consider before they jump into the water. And then a few years later, maybe they will, uh, hopefully they will not bang their head against the wall like I did. Yeah, they just need to remember that, you know, these are every day. If you're making business decisions, you're making legal decisions every single day and if you don't know what you're doing these are ticking time bombs that are going to come back and blow up in your face months or years down the line usually at the worst possible time and you don't want the lawyer or the judge to tell you that it's too late to be thinking about this stuff for the first time now you could have been proactive but you weren't so now it's too late pay up 20 i don't know two million dollar judgment against you you know so so definitely just understand the importance of 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 taking this taking care of this stuff up front it's a lot cheaper to take care of it up front than than to pay even a quarter million dollar judgment on the back end i agree well let's Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time uh, for this interview. I appreciate you for dropping all this knowledge and value for free for our audience to, to hear. Um, it, it, it will take me probably a day or two before I post this, but I'll make sure to uh, uh, send start sending people your way if they will need uh, any help when it comes to legal matters and business well i'm definitely here and you know if it's something that i can't handle i have a large network of attorneys in every state that i refer to when it comes to um, types of cases i don't deal with or if i can't take on a client at a certain time you know you can come to me for referrals and i'll, I'll find someone to um to look at your case awesome well have a wonderful day Thank you again for, for uh, agreeing to do this with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It. Take care. <laughs> you too.